freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports. Oh, we're going to do you a minute. It doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Yep, hello, Brock. It was a day yesterday as the Mariners made their first strike in the trade deadline insanity that is expected over the course of the day today. 3 p.m. is the deadline, so uh, will we see a flurry of moves between now and then? We're hoping to talk to Jeff Passan at 8.30. He's scheduled. Uh, we're going to sort of stay in touch depending on what's going on on the trade front. If he's got to go work, he's got to go work. So our expectation is to talk to Jeff, but we'll wait and see what happens. Mariners make their move. They trade Paul Seawald. Obviously, everybody bummed to see him go just as a human great guy one of the better dudes i think i've ever known playing ba- playing baseball i mean just a just a normal guy who mm-hmm. happened to be able to throw a pretty good slider and turn himself into a major league pitcher and he was upset yesterday i mean you could you could really hear it from him before we get into the trade itself he was bummed he was bummed to be leaving his teammates and i think he knew above all else i heard him say it that they had no one to blame but themselves. I mean, he wasn't mad at the organization. He was upset that the team played so poorly in May and June especially that they made this happen. Much like the organization helped make his career, which he also said, like, you know, you talk about that slider, but it really had to be paired with something else and it had to be paired with that upper fastball and it had to, he had to buy in and at that age and stage, what is he now? 33 years of age. So 31 years of age of enduring ups and downs and, and really limited major league time. He came here and they unlocked him in his talent and his skill set. So he's he's going to be thankful for that experience. But yeah, a bit bitter that especially offensively, I mean he can't point to the pitching. <laughs> you know, he can't point to himself. He can't point to the starters necessarily. So what he's really saying is like, yeah, if we could have done anything offensively, mm-hmm. I would be here and we would be in a much different yeah, and, position. And he's not going to complain about that publicly. But I have heard some rumblings that Paul was pretty vocal about a month ago and saying, Hey guys, if we don't pick this up Some of us aren't going to be here anymore, and I'm sure, you know, he's a guy who listens to sports radio and Colin Cowherd and reads about what's going on, and I don't think he was surprised at all yesterday. Disappointed, but not surprised, and and understands that because the team didn't do more offensively, that's the spot they were in. Okay, well, that's the Paul Seawald side of it. He departs. Who arrives? Trio of guys from Arizona, starting with this Dominic Canzone. He's the centerpiece of the deal, and... According to what I've been able to decipher, the Mariners see him as an everyday starter right away. He was up. He doesn't have a lot of big league experience. He came up for the first time this year. He has just 15 games of big league experience. And he's been hitting right in the middle of the Diamondbacks order. He's been hitting kind of in that five or six spot. So they see him as a run producer. The Mm -hmm. Mariners see him as a guy that's not going to strike out nearly as much as what they've had this year. So you should like that, Brock. He's more of a more of a contact guy. He's got some power. He's got some athleticism. He Mm -hmm. hits from the left side. I don't know whether they do this move if Jared Kelnick is healthy, because it seems like he might duplicate some of those same skills. But he's not and may not be for the rest of this year. And they trade a closer who had a year plus of service time for a guy that is still a rookie and is going to be here for six more years. Do you like it? Uh, it, it my, my first plus reaction was a little bit like Bob and Wyman in the afternoon. I know you were out of oh, practice they didn't like watching it? it. 
No, well, that's no, weird. No, they I didn't. I would have expected them to no, love this. They didn't like it, and they didn't like you digging into their pretzels. Either, I know we already so. played that. Yeah, they didn't Whatever. like I, I, either. Of I'm those. not so worried about that. My, my first initial reaction, because immediately we just got them playing Arizona, and I do remember Canzone and and watching him and thinking, man, that is a young guy in the in the middle of that lineup. And, you know, just, you know, like I think 99% of the people do. What's the first thing you do? Okay, let me go look at their numbers. Let me go see their production. Let me go see the bottom line here. And you kind of look at it and you're like, dang, that's not one, two, three, four, five right. on, on the Diamondbacks, you know, as far as hitters go, as far as impact bats go. But then you dig a little deeper and, well, A, he's from the Ohio State University. Is, and yes. Jackson Smith and Jigmas cross the streets. So that's a good thing. B, this feels like a Mitch Hanniger move. This feels like what you said a couple weeks ago. Where be prepared for a name that is not a familiar name, that's not Mark Canna, that's not some of these other veterans. Be prepared for Jerry trying to replicate and do what he once did with a Mitch Hanniger and go get a young, very controllable guy that they view having significant upside. I think this probably means the end for Teo. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's today, or but certainly in the future. Well, it almost certainly means the end for Colton Wong. Like, I, like when they required Rojas, who's the other uh, pro in this deal, th- that's it. I mean, he was a good player, by the way, the last two years. He right. was a three-war player. Yeah, hasn't played well this year, has not nope. hit particularly well this year. But again, controllable for a longer period of time. Steel bases, athletic, younger. And and just that's going to be the end of Colton Wong, right? Like I don't see how he's here by the end of the day today. This is now your new left-handed hitter in the second baseman platoon that's it and then the spunky of them all mr bliss <laughs> right i mean the war eagle spunky spunky fast i yes. mean dynamic athletic futures game seven fast. well they list him at 510 but he's not 510 so he's yeah closer to five six five seven and he has put it together this year it struggled you know in the minors first couple years second round pick undersized guy but is also i mean that, that's three i mean just as we're talking here that is three different players and for a 33-year-old reliever, that's got one more year of control. Mm. And so I, I think that, the, you know, you put, put that into a little mix. I don't hate it. I can't say I love it. I can say I understand it. Yeah, I definitely understand it. I don't know whether I love it either, but I can't tell you I hate it. Look, it's a good baseball trade. Even Scott said that yesterday. Like, it's a good baseball trade. You traded a a, a, a reliever where you have a bit of a surplus for three guys where you need help, where I think I could quibble or where I could absolutely, I think there's a debate is not could you have gotten more? Because I think the market is, as you've said, Brock, what the market will bear. And some of that is, you know, what the buyer wants and what they've what they've chosen. Yep. Could you have rather than traded Paul Seawald for three players? Could you have traded him for one? Mm-hmm. Is there value to be had in picking up more players, but instead of a top five prospect, you're getting what a number Cleveland 19 did. prospect, et cetera? What Cleveland did. Now, it was a starter in Savali, but it was for your guy that yep. you mentioned yesterday. I know. I was pretty <laughs> bummed. I, w- I was really hoping that he was going to end up here uh-huh. in Seattle. Big power hitting first baseman who Sue Cleveland says is their starter next year. Now, that would have been more of a straight sell than what they did, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they obviously valued having major league ready talent because they're not giving up on this year. And that's the problem with being in between. Yeah. If you had lost five more games, right? And you were out for this year, you could straight sell on Paul Seawald. Mm-hmm. But they're not. Mm-hmm. They're three and a half games out in the wild card. They're only five games back at Texas. You can't straight sell for next year. It would be easier if you could. 
right? I mean, so would you have preferred trading for the kid at a, from Tampa Bay and went to Wazoo? Would you have preferred that, Manzardo? Power hitting first baseman, but not big league ready yet. Or would you want the guys that you got, two of whom are already in the big leagues? Yeah, I, I think you have to give this team that opportunity in August and September. I think you have to give this team that once again last night pitched and George Kirby got out of some major, major jams and, and Brash was in filthy and Munoz did his job and it was hold on time <laughs> uh, for the youngster that came in with a five-run lead. But I think you've got to give this team that can flat-out pitch and play defense and play defense. I mean, these Red Sox are a much better offense. They can't play defense, and they certainly don't have the depth of pitching that you do, and that's one of the teams on the rung that you've got to climb over. So how do you react to what that happened last night, right? And by the way, we're not done with this trade deadline. You still have until 3 o'clock today, five more hours, and I would expect more deals to go down for these Mariners, some of which may help this big league team, some of which may continue to take players away. I mean, they are reshaping a little bit of what they look like. When they came out and airmailed two throws on one play, and then George Kirby did his best impression of James Paxton falling down in the uh, by the third baseline. Yes. What was your immediate thought? Because mine was, "Oh man, this today's show is written itself." I saw that tweet. Well, yes. it I sure looked that, that way in that moment, didn't it? And I was thinking, "Settle down, little grasshopper. We got a All lot right. of game to play." <laughs> well, I don't know. I think it's still part of today's show either way. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. I think these two guys, honestly, are a little bit what I said, man. They're major league of bats right that one of them's in rojas has played a fair amount of ball has been a much better player than he's been this year in canzone you get a better athlete you get athleticism with both of these guys so if you're just talking about hey just a run a game just a half a run a game just somebody that can get on base and go first to third somebody that could go steal a base somebody that can just have a more quality of bat and run a pitch count up versus what teo and wong and obviously pollock who's out as well have done man half a run a game for the way you're pitching, now it is without Seawald at the end to button it all up. But, yeah, I think that this pitching staff deserves that opportunity. And we may very well see another closer or another reliever come in. Remember, they did that a few years ago when they traded Graveman a few yep. weeks or a few days later, maybe even the next day, they ended up adding Diego Castillo. Now, again, that hasn't worked out great. Castillo was good for that year and has sort of gone out in the other direction. But if you're looking for sort of the philosophy around what DePoto would want to do, I think that sort of would be in my uh, my uh, expectation. Keep it going, boys. Here. Keep it going. I like to see you got a little bit more money too you freed up some money here you move on from tail you free up a little bit more money there should not be this should not be a money issue we've been told it's not a money issue so you know they've got you said five more hours isn't it 6 p.m uh, eastern time three o'clock i was like about six seven more hours to go oh, get, yeah. what, i said five yeah he said five i meant yeah they have more than yeah. that i'm yeah. sorry they have eight more hours there you Jeez, go eight Math. more hours that's uh that's not even an ability to read a clock. I don't know. This is what we get for coming in so early in the morning. Poor clock reading skills on Brock and Salk. We'll be right back with things you need to know, including how five plus three equals five. It's Brock and Salk, Sales Sports at 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, it was a busy day yesterday before today's deadline. The Mariners certainly in the mix. They deal Paul Seawall to Arizona in exchange for three players. Infielder Josh Rojas, outfielder. He can play a little first base, by the way, Dominic Canzone. And then infielder Ryan Bliss, who is a younger player, a double-A kid. Canzone, the prize of the deal. Athletic guy. He's hit at every level. He doesn't strike out a lot. He's only been in the big leagues for 
15 games, but uh, he's already hitting kind of in the middle of that Arizona lineup. Mariners think he's an everyday player. They think he's got some power, some contact skills, and the ability to defend right away. Scott Service on the prizes of this deal. I thought they're very, first of all, they're both left-handed hitters. Um, and, you know, will help our lineup. Uh, you can see our lineup is predominantly right-handed. Uh, so they're young guys. They're very athletic players. They're good defenders. They can run. Um, so it's more of the athletic, you know, make things happen on the field. Both the guys uh, hit the fastball very well against us. And- so he knows what he's getting and yep. thinks that it can help them right away. Yeah, I think this is a little in-season adjustment. We'll talk to Jerry DePoto about all of this on Thursday, and certainly 162 games, and let's hope for, I don't know, 10 more maybe in the postseason as well, is going to give them the whole data set. But to me, Salt, this is also a reflection of today's game a little bit, where some of that speed and some of that athleticism versus just launch angles and uh, hit home runs is coming into play. Cincinnati's doing it. Arizona is doing it. And it doesn't mean it's going to fill up the scorecard and you're going to score eight runs a game. But when you got pitching and you play defense the way you do and you add a little bit of athleticism and a little bit more speed, and as I said last segment, just get a half a run, a quarter run, just a little bit more offense consistently to add to what you do pitching it and defending it. You're going to be in the mix here through August and hopefully late September. Rojas should probably play right away. Second base against left or against uh, righties. I would think that's the end of Colton Wong today on the roster. A.J. Pollock sent to San Francisco. Brock, for your favorite player. You know that? Yeah, put it in the There you go. Put it in all that's... uh... Still seems overvalued for A.J. Pollock. We'll see what happens next because they're going to have to open up room for these guys on the roster. And there's still a lot of time left before today's 3 o'clock deadline. Here's the second thing you need to know. And in the middle of all of that, Brock, Mariners come out and win a game last night. Played pretty well. Didn't start off that way. They looked like maybe they were a little shaken as Tom Murphy airmailed the throw and then Julio airmailed the overthrow and then Kirby fell down. The next thing you know, they had gifted the Red Sox a Little League run in the first inning, but... That was basically it until the ninth. They shut down the door. George Kirby didn't have his best command, but he still went five strong. And Cal Raleigh had the offense. The one one. Swing, high fly ball. Right field. Hang it up there by the foul pole. It is fair. It is gone. It's a home run. It's Cal Raleigh two and the Red Sox one. His second bomb tonight has put the Mariners in front in the bottom of the seventh. Pretty good night for Cal. And then Julio came up with a big hit late in the game as well. He sure did. That eighth inning. I think I shot you guys a note. What's Julio going to do now? Because they were already leading. Yeah, it doesn't count because it wasn't the ninth inning and they were already leading. But he went the other way. He stayed within himself. He stayed within the inside of the ball. He didn't just try to jump out of the gym and hit the ball over the fence. And with it came a whole bunch of production, more followed, some add-on. And how about these Mariners, Salky? End up the month of July 17-9, tied with the Baltimore Orioles for the best record in baseball. In doing so, they climbed to five games back of the Rangers, three and a half back of the wild card, and a season best four over 500. Isn't that weird? Is it weird that they had the best record in baseball that month? Yes. Like, did it seem like they had the best record in baseball? <laughs> no. I don't know that it felt that way. But they did. It's funny yes, when you get outside did. your own bubble and pay attention to what other teams are doing as well. Here's the third thing you need to know. By the way, just to speak to that, five games out in the division, three and a half in the wild card. Back at it tonight with Bryce Miller on the Hill. Seahawks had their first day in pads yesterday, and there was a lot of hitting. You know who won the day? 
the defense. They looked really good. Bobby, pretty impressed with the guys in front of him. Uh, the D-line did such a good job. The ball never really made it up to us, to be honest. They were attacking the ball in the backfield, so... Um you know, which I'm okay with. So they were in the backfield every every play, and they, they really set the tone for us today. And so, you know, that's something that we're going to look for, you know, all season. I know one thing I'm going to be looking for this year. I might be keeping a little tally, maybe more in games than I've ever done in 15 years. How many runs do they keep to three yards or less? Dre Jones told us that last week. That is the messaging behind those walls and in those rooms. You want to get you want to get better in this run game. Hold it to three or less. Hold it to three or less. Mm-hmm. San Fran, a, a a league best last year, just over three yards a carry. But if you can compile more of those instead of the six, seven, five, six, five that just start to gash you and start to wear you down, that's a good sign. And quite honestly. Over the next three-plus weeks and in preseason games, if I could ask for just one thing, to build confidence heading into that Rams game, shore up that run defense, get some penetration, be be destructive there at the point of attack, that would be the best thing for this team moving into the regular season. We will talk to Boye Mafe coming up at 8 o'clock this morning. That's everything you need to know. We do that quarter pass to every hour here on the Brock and Salk show. Uh, I got to see your favorite drill yesterday. I don't know that we're going to have time for takeaway stages with so much going on. We got Mike Tarico is going to join us in a few minutes and then Boye's and then hopefully uh, Jeff Passon today. So I don't know if we'll have time for takeaways, but uh, I did get to watch your favorite drill, Brock. Brady yep. and I gathered together to watch uh, the Brock Heward Memorial uh, one-on-one pass rush drill. And... Boys were heated, I heard. I heard they got after it pretty good. Overall, the offense won the day. The offensive line overall was very impressive because that deal, that that drill is easier for the defense, right? Correct. For the offense. Correct. If that's the case, then I thought the offensive line handled itself very, very well. Got to give them some credit. Uh, In terms of individual winners, the two kids, man, were the two, and they were were great. Boy Amafe and Derek Hall Hmm. absolutely stood out. Draymond Jones looked good. I mean, like other guys had good reps, yep. but I thought Boye and Derek Hall were both awesome. And then Boye was the best player on the field during during scrimmaging. Wow. I mean, he was everywhere. Wow. Now, again, those guys were playing up against the backups. They weren't going mm-hmm. against, you know, Charles Cross and Abe Lucas. They were going against uh, Stone right. Forsyth and somebody else. But when they were out there. They were the best players I saw yesterday. Look at you dropping names like it's a regular season. Well, you got uh, Greg Island, too, or something. What's that? Island's got E-I-L-A-N-D or something. Back-to-back days out there, working all day, all night at the Mariners game, following it. Dude, you're just a... Just a worker bee. Just a worker bee. Since I got stung by this bee, I've sort of Uh turned into one. And now now I'm... And you didn't get throat punched either, huh? Like (laughs) Spider-Man. By Wyman or Bob? Yeah. Dude, whatever. I'm not afraid of those guys. It's fine. (laughs) I mean, I'm a little afraid of them, and I'm probably going to have to buy them another bag of pretzels, but whatever. I'm not afraid of those guys. I'll eat their pretzels, and I'd do it again. I'm not embarrassed. Mike Tirico joins us next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. I was just texting with a friend who went to Syracuse, Brock, who was uh, especially excited about Mike Tirico about to come on the show, looking for a little injection of orange into our show this morning. And I well, said, we all need that. I said, Mike might be the number one of number ones when you're talking about guests on a show. Mm. Brock, you like to say that I like to say that I mm-hmm. give good guests, that when mm-hmm. I'm on, I'm a good radio guest. Yes. 
Hard to be much better than Mike Tirico. Oh, see, I thought you were going to go number one at ones at Syracuse, and then I was going to go, wow, oh, that's, that's, a, that's a that's a yeah, tough battle. That, that's a good battle. Well, he joins us right now, our friend Mike Tirico from NBC. Hi, Mike. How are you? Well, you put extreme pressure on me. I yeah. don't know if I can deliver after that. So I may, I may just say goodbye now and move on. <laughs> that was actually kind of the plan, was to see if we could throw you off your game before coming on to see if we, you know, maybe somebody else will rise to the challenge. What, you want run one. install? No, buddy. You get blitz yeah. pickup right away. <laughs> blitz pickup right away. Let's go. Uh, uh, good to so, be with you guys. Happy, uh, happy season. I am, I am actually, I am driving to the physical start of my football season i am driving to beautiful downtown berea ohio to 76 lou groza boulevard the home of the cleveland browns because we have the browns and the jets or the facsimiles of those teams uh thursday night in the hall of fame game to start the season so here we go does it feel about right i mean august august one the calendar turns does it feel like you're ready for football season it's starting to. I'm starting to get in the rhythm of this. I've been worked this the last couple of years and, and been here uh, a few times before this. You, you start the rhythm of you know, this is actually the hardest game of the year by a mile to prepare for because it's 90 players on each <laughs> roster. And the, the 30 guys per team that you just know cold, you won't see them. <laughs> They're mm-hmm. not playing. So, uh, so, you, so you're, uh, you know, you're going to spend the time on the 60 guys who you don't know and who you'll see, you know, maybe once or twice in your life, but you want to be able to talk about what the teams are going to look like. And so you're studying the starters and they study the other guys. So any of us who've lived through preseason football know you can't wait for preseason football to start. And then you can't wait for preseason <laughs> football to end. So it's, those two feelings come like kind of A, B. But it's okay. Well, we want to ask you some football questions. Before we do, though, I just personally am curious how you're enjoying where you're at. I don't think we've talked to you since uh, you sort of moved into the number one spot there with NBC. How is it going? How are you liking your gig these days? Uh, it's I, I love it. Um, I'm really lucky. I, I've said this often, and we'll continue to say it and mean it. I had 25 amazing years at ESPN, and my start at NBC was great. And now to... Uh, that these two primary jobs of play-by-play of Sunday Night Football and primetime host of the Olympics is like it's a dream come true. You don't even you don't dream that. That's a it's a crazy thing to dream of having those jobs. Uh, one of them, let alone happen at the same time, and that's not even golf. and big events and the Triple Crown races and the Indy 500. So great, Chris Collinsworth was so terrific to work with last year. You know, the good thing was we knew each other for quite some time mm-hmm. and had done about 20 football games together during the five years uh, before I took over the number one job on Sunday nights. But uh, there was no adjustment. It was smooth sailing. And uh, our, our group had a ton of fun. And we uh, and we stay on our, our group chat and we're all excited. We've been sharing, uh, you know, this, this one's kid did this and, Chris's daughter got married and we went down to the wedding in uh, Kentucky and all that stuff. So it's been a fun year and we're really excited to uh, be back doing football every week. It's so much fun. As you know, there's a rhythm to it and I've uh, loved being a part of it. 
Anyone listening now knows the voice. That is the voice of Mike Tirico. I think Salk asked that question because did you guys do a Seahawks game last year? Did, did Sunday night prime did time? Did Sunday night prime time come to Seattle last year? Did they pay attention no. to the Seahawks last year? You know they played last year, right? Your friends at NBC, <laughs> they know about that? You know, the Seahawks put themselves on the radar during the season last year and certainly were in the flex candidates, depending on the like, couple of times that we flex, but we we will make up for it in spades as we will get to have our Thanksgiving Seattle style this year. Yeah, what Thanksgiving you, thank, Thanksgiving night. I guess, Mike, last year had we done this right before the season started. What do you think right. the conversation would have been about Pete and the Seahawks and Russ? And then as we head in, fast forward just twelve months later, what is your conversation and feelings about Gino and Pete? We don't have to really talk about Russ; he's in a different market now. But those two. <laughs> But, but it's still good conversation, right? We follow two teams here now, Mike. We follow ah, the Seahawks and the Seattle Broncos. Broncos. Let me be very clear. <laughs> and, and Sean Payton gave you another day's energy out of that. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. Like, hey, mm-hmm. thank you, Sean. Appreciate it. Uh, I love that he said I had my Fox hat on when I said right. that was fabulous. Right. <laughs> Great comment. Um, so, so, you know, if we, if we had this discussion last year, it would have been – probably driven on man it's been a great run i I hope hope he can pull this together for another year or two here and you guys are going to miss russ and uh, i'll be really interested to see what the reaction's like when russ takes the field week one and that was (laughs) i still i still remember sitting in my in my tv room going oh my goodness like usually usually there's that thanks we appreciate it, but now we're going to boo your butt, right? And it was it, it was it was none of that all the way through. So that story's been written, right? Yeah. But to see, like, I thought that was the Super Bowl. I thought the Seahawks have won the Super Bowl on Monday week one with Joe and Troy making their debut and the whole deal and a Monday night boo. It's, it's great. We'll, we'll see Seattle next year when they resurface. And the team went on to have a hell of a year, which, which is just great, which tells you two things. One – Man, coaching matters. It really matters. And Pete and Bill Belichick and Andy Reid and John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin, their teams never stink. Never. And they do more with a roster than other guys do. Now, maybe they don't get all the way. Maybe there are other things that kind of you say, well, I wish this, I wish that. But when you look at how transient the job is, and look at the body of work, you go, my gosh, how lucky were you, Seattle, are you, Seattle, to have that guy as your head coach and John Schneider with him building all the way for these, what, 13, 14 years. And it's nuts, really nuts. So, so that's the combo of both. That's where you take the conversation now that last year was a wow. But I'd say, you know, being a national observer of the league, you don't feel like it was lightning in a bottle or a one-hit wonder. It's like they've rebuilt this thing, and all of a sudden, look at the defensive pieces, and we draft here, or there's a corner, and we know this. And all of a sudden, man, the Seahawks are going to be a bear again. And then the 12s get going again, and Seattle becomes that stop on the league uh, tour that you want to do. So it's amazing how quick it turns around. And we would not have been saying this last year, which is pretty cool. I think it's interesting that you point to Pete. I mean, it, you know, we learned a lot about Pete, Gino, and Russell Wilson last year and, and different things about each of them. 
But I, I think I agree with you that Pete was the one I learned the most about because there were a lot of people both in this town and nationally out there saying that Pete was ruining Russell Wilson's wasting his prime and ruining his career. And a year later, I'm not hearing a lot of that argument anymore. It's, it's a great point. And two things come up to mind, Mike, when you say that. One, you know, let's, let's not forget, you guys had a great run. You, you guys had like a run at the top of the chart there for a long time. It doesn't happen in this league. And there, there's a ring and a banner to show for it forever. And there almost was a second, right? And you go, man, if they were two, you look at them a little different. Well, it's one play, right? Or two plays. So fine. But after that, Pete's built teams for years a certain way, right? And it start. I can't get very far away from, um, I, I look at, I look at things for, the story. Where's the story? I, that's where I start. That's my DNA. Pete Carroll's DNA is starting with a secondary. That's what he has done forever, going back to his days with Minnesota. He's a secondary guy, right? So you rebuild there and you work around. But it doesn't mean Pete Carroll isn't a part of great offense. Just think of the USC teams. So he knows where to build and how to build. But he also knows when I've got everything else, we can be magical. We can be special. I, I, I am blown away by the criticism at any point of a Bill Belichick or a Pete Carroll because they haven't done it for like five minutes. They've done it for a decade plus runs, multiple decades. Pete's one of the greatest coaches of our lifetime. If you take what he did at USC and what he did with the Seahawks, and if he doesn't win another game, he's one of the greatest coaches of football in our lifetime. And I don't know why that's not enough for us to just appreciate. And I've maybe I took it for granted a little bit. About three or four years ago, I started to to come around to that realization even more forcefully. And last year was just like, stamp it, man. That guy is an all time, all time great head football coach. Maybe one of the best you'll ever meet. Period. Hey, Mike, last thing for you is I know you got to get run into practice as well and, and taking in all the information so you can tell preseason game story number one. Uh, let's get to Gino here, uh, lastly, because his story last year was unlike anything we had seen. I mean, we're pulling up the annals of Rich Gannon, uh, a little bit of Alex Smith, but but Mike mm-hmm. and I watched Gino for year after year after year at training camp. We watched him in the preseason, Mike. There was no way you could possibly write a script that he was going to be one of the five most efficient QBs in the NFL and shatter all of Russell Wilson's single-season passing records. There was just no way that was plausible. Well, he did it. He wrote that script, and he didn't write anybody back. He didn't. Based on your history being around this league as long as you have, how does he take what he did last year in that remarkable year and now build upon it? And can he build upon it? Well, I hate when you ask me a question that you're better served to answer, but I'll give you my, I'll give you, I'll give you my best shot, right? Welcome to my don't, life. <laughs> good, 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 Mike. Don't, don't, be, don't be that guy. Be you. And maybe all the things he said outwardly and publicly last year helps him to do that. Um, you know, six interceptions, take care of the ball, make smart plays. Don't try to become a Hall of Fame quarterback and do things – you know, don't try to do Mahomes things. Do the things you can. And 
know, John and Pete are smart. This team is built to that. This team's this team's defense is like, ooh, wait a minute. You, you, you kind of fortify those linebackers again, draft a corner. You've got the guys from last year. That, that's a pretty good group. And now we got a bunch of running backs, and this receiving core is pretty sweet. It doesn't mean we got to throw it to them 45 times, but 25 or 30 times we do, we can really destroy people. So do what you did last year just a little bit better. And don't try to change everything. I think if you try to become Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers in his prime, then then you ask for not a growth, but maybe a step back from last year. But you can't take away confidence in yourself and belief that is proven on the football field. Comeback player of the year, low interception rate, got a, a team and a city believing in him and got everybody pulling in his direction. And don't, don't, don't forsake what that week one meant. That week one probably meant a lot to him. It's like, wait a minute. Everybody's behind me. This is not New York where they're running me out of town. They're, they're all in my corner. And this thing's being built with my chance to succeed. I, and he just took it and ran with it. So good for him. He's always been one of the good guys. When you meet and you go, I root for him. I hope he does well. That was great to see. And if he can just take that next step and maximize that group around him. Uh, hopefully we'll have a fun Thanksgiving night with the Niners in town and whatever good sides uh, Salk likes to make for Thanksgiving. He'll send some to the booth and we'll be ready to roll. I got I to gotta be honest with you, Mike. I am in my old age here. I have become a go yeah. out to dinner on Thanksgiving guy. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Stop. Yeah. I have. I have, no. Mike. Here's no, no, the thing: no, no. no cleanup. I'm, I'm done with you. There's, yeah, oh my I'm done gosh. With you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Appreciate from, it, Mike. Yeah, you got to run. Plates yeah. one year to this <laughs> another. You never know what you're going to get from Mike Jericho. There are two. There are two things that have to be done in life. One is Christmas with your family. Uh-huh. Two is Thanksgiving in a house. It could be a friend's house. Yeah. It could be a neighbor. It could be an aunt, a cousin, a grandmother, a relative. Your house. You cannot have Thanksgiving now. Thursday mm-hmm. night, you want to come to the stadium this year for Thanksgiving and have dinner, have dinner with the 12 in, in the parking lot. That's a different, but the parking lot of the stadium is like home to all the 12s, right? <laughs> it's true. So that counts as a home meal. It's a home. It's I don't want to hear this. I, I, Thank I'm you, sorry. I've, I've embarrassed Rod, myself. Way to go, Saul. Be on with you. I, I, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Next time it will be with a fill-in. Whenever Salk is out, <laughs> I won't bother you again. <laughs> Mike, you're the best. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Uh, enjoy, and we'll talk soon. It is so good talking to you guys. Look forward to talking to you during the year. Awesome. Thanks for adding the stress of making me be a good guest. Damn, that was hard early in the morning. Be good, everybody. Take care. Thank you, Mike. There's Mike Tirico. He really is. He really is a good guest. Although now I feel Jeez. like I've blown it. I'm sorry, Brock. Dude, I can't you tell you how many text ge- me. Yeah, text me. You're gonna say I'm something sorry. like that. Or I didn't realize it would be- talk down the line and say, "Hey, what do you think? I got this." Like, and I'll give you a hard no, right. and Maura will give you a hard pass. I know. I didn't I've already know. Told him how I feel about it as someone who had to wait tables on Thanksgiving. Same. What? So, I'd rather be at home with my family, so yes. stay home with yours. Yes. And close the restaurant. <laughs> I don't the have restu- that power. Well, neither do I. If the restaurant's <laughs> open, I didn't ask them to open the freaking restaurant. But you've admitted that you're, on Thanksgiving especially, a very good tipper, right? Of course. Good. These okay. poor people have to work on Thanksgiving. Well, I tip people. 100% Us on Thanksgiving. People. <laughs> Us first little of all, people. First of all, the restaurants I go to on Thanksgiving tend to be buffets. Easy. And thankfully, you don't have to tip at a buffet, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get out of here. I'm just joking. Uh, all right. So we're having some – We're having. can I just tell people what's going on? Do you yeah, want a little, like, lay of the land? More yes. and I have been communicating. Maybe that's why I was off my game and embarrassed myself in front of Mike Tirico, <laughs> yes. which I'm just mortified by. Um, 
Boye, they've moved some meetings around, Brock. So we were expecting Boye Mafe here at 8 o'clock. All right. There was a chance we were maybe going to get him now, and we were going to move Blue 88. Ah. But now it's already 747. And so we're running out of time on the Boye Mafe thing, which is really too bad because he was the best player at camp yesterday, and I was kind mm-hmm. of excited. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's move Blue 88 to 8. Can we do okay. that? We can. can we do, yeah, in like 10, yeah. 15 minutes. Let's do that. Let's okay. move it to 8. And I'm, I'm going to guess it's not going to take the whole segment so we can get to Mariners and if there's any trade, you know, deadline news, anything okay. else. But he said two things there that, and this is why he's a great guest. Number one, he has optics on all 32 teams. Number two, he's like, yeah, I may be more informed of Gino's fundamentals and his mechanics and I can, I could talk about him throwing outside the numbers and his, his, you know, passing rate downfield and all of these things that maybe he doesn't necessarily always see. But he sees it at a global level, and his answer there on Gino was absolutely terrific. And it's probably why G. Scott's a little nervous, a little apprehensive about the expectations level of these Seahawks and Gino. Sulkit is why everybody has always loved the backup, and it's easier being the number two than it is wearing the number one right on your chest right out the gate because it's really hard to just continue to be the guy you've always been mm. without trying to reach a little. No, man, my 92 on the corner works just fine. I really don't need to pump it to 97. <laughs> I don't need to do that, right? I could keep living on these edges. I can hit I could... it 300 down the middle. I don't need to chase distance and go after 340. That's right. That's right. You know, I, what, Jordan, what I do, Rory, what, few other guys. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, we can go a bunch of Mariners hitters here, too. Like, yeah. I can hit the ball the other way. I can. I, I don't have to just be hit. Be who you for, are. Just be, Ty French, just be who you are, Julio. Just be who you are. What Scott Service said to Julio and has continued to encourage him, just be who you are. And I am sure on a daily basis, Pete probably says the same thing to Gino. Hey, Gino, you don't have to do anything more. Anything less than what you yeah, did a funny, year ago. Because you said you, you need Gino to do, you know, what can he do to improve upon it? I don't know whether he should. Repeat it for sure. That, that I think we can all agree. He's got to repeat contract what he did last tells year. tells you that you got to do what you did well, a year ago. That's and a the next question, right? But more. But I think the answer to doing more is only doing it at the right times. Mm-hmm. It, it, for, for 58 minutes, just be the guy you've been. For the last two minutes, elevate the people around you. Yes. And if he can do that, then yes. I'm going to assume the other thing Mike Tirico said that you wanted to react to was this. Pete's one of the greatest coaches of our lifetime. If you take what he did at USC and what he did with the Seahawks, and if he doesn't win another game, he's one of the greatest coaches of football in our lifetime. And I don't know why that's not enough for us to just appreciate. You buy that, Twelves? You believe that, Brock and Salk audience? Seattle Sports Station on it. Do you do you believe that right there? The Pete is one of the best coaches of our lifetime. Because I think it is so easy for the same reason, Salk, of what we just talked about with Gino. It is so easy to say, "Come on, Pete, do more. Come on, Pete, innovate. Come on, Pete, read the read the analytics. Come on, Pete. You know, don't don't punt for me forty five. Come on, Pete, be new age. Come on, Pete, do a little bit more. Come on, Pete, be younger. Come on, Pete, right." And you want him to do all of these things and be a little bit more of what the newest flavor in the NFL tells you, right? What the newest flavor of these analytics tell you, be the newest flavor. And some of it, hey, I get it. Spicing it up is, is good. You need a little salt and pepper. You need a little seasoning. Molly will tell you I over-season sometimes, and, and I can do that. But the reality is this dude, this century, has been one of the greatest football coaches on planet Earth. This century, it's been Belichick, it's been Saban, it's been Andy Reid, 
Where's Pete? Yeah, I mean, like, who, who else? Between you USC win? and Seattle, where's yeah, Pete? He's I, yeah. won multiple national championships. He's won a Super Bowl, been to two Super Bowls. I mean, how much further are we going down this century, right, in the last 24 years? Do we got boy I want my favorite? I don't know. Here? What do you want to do? I, I guess we have the – is he there, or do we have to wait? He's there? I mean, what am I going to say tell, no? I'm not going to say no to Boye Tell Boye Mafe how great he was yesterday. I'm not going to say no. If Boye is there and ready to go, I would yeah. far be it from me to say no to Boye Mafe if he is available and ready to chat with us. He's there? No. What do we got? No. Hold on. Go. Hold move, on. Moving pieces. Moving pieces. Live radio. We're flexible. We got boys putting the headset on right now. Boye Mafe nice. joining us from practice. We're throwing caution to the wind this morning. We're, yep. we're, we're stud rebels again, Brock. Boye, good morning. Hey, boy, hey, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. How you doing yourself? Is it true that you were the greatest player on the field yesterday? That's what I've heard. I mean, it's what I've heard from one of, <laughs> That's what I saw. One of my most trusted sources, boy. Oh, let my. me know boy, that the best yesterday, player. The best player I saw on the field was Boye Mafe. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, you know, right now we're really just working on just getting better. So every day we take a challenge and we just try to improve a little bit by a little bit by a little bit it's funny, <laughs> how much I, I, I got, we don't have a, too much time with you and i got all these different things written down but the most important because i know we're limited time what do we make of Derek hall's shorts <laughs> hey man every day i try to tell him every day i promise you he comes out of the class he comes out of the practice i'm like man you know there's more fabric out there you know <laughs> There's a little bit more fabric. You know, you can go up a size, but, you know. What is, is he tucking it up into the compression shorts underneath? I can't tell. I just, I don't know at this point. Yeah. <laughs> what do you make of his legs? They're gigantic. They're pretty big, but, I, I mean, hey, he's, you know, he goes out there in those little shorts, and then it's, it's not a good combo to me. Boy, how much better of a player, all jokes aside, are you today than you were 365 days ago in training camp one? Uh, for me, I personally feel like it's definitely night and day. Uh, you know, I definitely notice a big difference. You know, in the how I see the game, how things move for me, it's slowing down for me now. And I mean, it's really you know over the time I've just gotten more comfortable being on the field, being in the you know in that situation. So I definitely notice a big difference, a big jump. You, uh, I, I kind of joke about Derek Hall in his shorts, but I mean, in theory, there's some competition there, quite a bit of it at your position. How has that brought the best out of all of you guys, and what is that competition like? I mean, it's brought out a lot of all of us because uh, for now, it makes the standard in our room a lot higher. You know, what what could have been like an okay or you know situation last year now is like a complete you know bust, and so now we're we're really pushing the room, and the uh, the room is really pushing each other, and the standard of the room, the standard of play, and the standard of how you go out there in our position group has gone way up, and everybody's on another level. Boy, I'm gonna guess when you're in the supermarket, people recognize you, or the gas station if they recognize you and they bump into you. There's probably one question you've been asked once to a hundred thousand times. And I'll ask it for the hundred thousandth and one time. How are you guys going to stop the run this year? <laughs> uh, for us, it's really just like getting on the same page, and you know, honestly, having that communication with the defense and uh, making sure that everyone's on the same page. As, as long as we control our gaps, do our, our assignments, you know, everything will take care of itself. And it's really just about just making sure that there's no miscommunication, making sure that everyone has, you know, we have a sound defense, and having that level of communication, level of trust with each other. And that way that if you do your job, then the guy next to you will do his job. So 
as we get those things underway, I feel as if we're, we'll be ready for this, you know, stopping the run this year. Which part, which part of the game came easier for you as a, as a rookie last year? Was it setting the edge and stopping the run, or was it getting after the passer? Uh, personally, I feel as if, you know, setting the edge and stopping the run was, you know, came really easy to me. You know, it felt really natural playing in the Big Ten. You know, that's what we do. You know, we don't really have, we're not like an air raid uh, conference, and it was mainly stop the run, so that came really easy to me, but... You know, this year, he's definitely, you know, working on the pass rush, working on, you know, everything, so all areas of the game. So you get those one-on-one pass rush drills. Saw it yesterday. Mm. I'm sure you guys will do it mm. again. Draymond mm. Jones told us that it gives him a little anxiety before those mm. drills. He gets Not a little scared. nervous. Not, Not scared. scared. Not scared. Not scared. Just a little anxiety. He doesn't want to embarrass himself in front of all of his peers. Right. What do you make of the one-on-one pass rush drill? I can definitely understand that. You know, it's it's uh it's one of those situations where you you are put in the spotlight. It's one on one. No one else is going in. It's like either you're doing good or you're doing bad. So it's uh it's like a win or lose situation, and no one else is there around you. So I can definitely understand why he would say something like that. Uh, for me, it's definitely one of those things. You know, you get a little bit nervous. You get a little nervous when you get out there. But when you get out there, it's just like oh yeah, it's like you know at that point, it's like let's get to work. You know, once you're in that in that moment, <laughs> who do you not want to go up against in that drill? Uh, I mean, honestly, I, I, I want to go against everybody. And, you know, I like to I like the, the aspect of like iron sharps on iron because I mean, especially if I'm going up against Abe or Charles at that point, and we we you know we'll definitely do one on ones, and then even then after practice or after the fact, we'll come up and grab each other. But hey, why did you do that? Or <laughs> why was it like that? And you know, you kind of ask each other questions on how to better ourselves and get ready for, you know the next the next step that's pretty cool and all you guys in that same rookie class so uh got that little relationship of all having come in together we know you got to run you got meetings and uh, we were able to just squeeze this in today but we appreciate it we uh, enjoy watching you enjoy talking to you and hopefully we'll be able to do it again this season Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you guys so much. Best player on the field. Best player on the <laughs> field. Might be the best laugh on the team, though. You mentioned Quandre's laugh yesterday, Brock. I like Brock. it. I like How it. a boy's laugh. We got about a 1,000 people texting in saying, just keep them laughing. His laugh is amazing. All right. Uh, we got to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll do a late version of Blue 88. We got a ton of Mariner stuff to talk about today. We got uh, we got Jeff Passon who's supposed to join us in a half hour. Mm. Don't go anywhere. It's Brock mm. and Salk, Sales Sports on 710.